0: top of the inning to you welcome to the irish baseball podcast brought to you by the irish american baseball society if you love baseball and if you love ireland stay tuned for a discussion of all things irish baseball hello and welcome to episode 50 of the irish baseball podcast i'm your host rick becker in our last episode of the year we're going to look back at one of our most fun moments of 2022 sean clancy founder of the irish baseball hall of fame interviewed danny boy o'connor from the legendary hip-hop group house of pain the interview lasted for over an hour and a video version can be seen by going to irishbaseball.org right now you can hear the first part of sean's conversation with danny boy from the crack in the bat on irish baseball tv
1: week's edition of Crack in the Bat, brought to you by the Irish American Baseball Society. The Irish American Baseball Society is a society for Irish people who love baseball and uh, baseball people who love Ireland. Uh, I'm Sean Clancy, I'm also president of the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame, and I'm delighted to be talking to my guest today, which is uh, Danny Boy O'Connor. People may not recognize the name, but you definitely remember House of Pain. Uh, Danny, it is an absolute pleasure to have you with us here today. And thank you for taking time to spend uh, and talk about baseball, talk about Ireland and a lot of other stuff. How are you doing? I'm good.
2: I'm good. It's, it's good to be here. I follow you guys on Twitter, and I definitely am Irish and I definitely love
1: baseball. So I feel right at home. So let's talk about that for a second. Born in Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, born in Brooklyn in the 60s, moved uh, immediately to Staten Island with my grandparents because my father went to prison when I was two months old and my mother was a a single parent. I uh, moved to California when I was about six years old and then my mother exported me back to uh, New York and New Jersey area until I was about 16. I've had a very unique upbringing. Uh, Looking back, I couldn't have planned it any better. Uh, Growing up on both coasts in the 70s and 80s was... Fantastic. Uh, I have a master's degree in uh, pop culture and and, and I, a little, you know, a little bit of both coasts or a lot of bit of both coasts. And uh, I like to call it the poor man's Glennie Friedman uh, experience. And if you don't know who that is, Google that. It's, it's a prolific photographer who literally captured the Dogtowns early skateboard era in the in the 70s in 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 Santa Monica and Venice and, and West Los Angeles, then he goes to the, he parlay[s] that into the punk rock stuff. So he's done like the Minor Threat album cover and a million other album covers that you love, and then he ends up at Def Jam and doing all the 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 hip hop stuff from wow. the Beasties to Public Enemy. So if you Google Glennie Friedman and he also, which is one of the greatest things ever, he. He lent uh, Suicidal Tendencies 20 grand to get their first album to go. So he's executive producer and the photographer on the first Suicidal Tendencies record, which I'm not going to lie, was the first punk record that I ever bought. It, originally, I was a little too young for the first wave of punk by a couple years. So, you know, I was more of a hip hop dude at, at the in, at its inception than I was punk. And then later, you know, filled in the gaps. But yeah. Uh, What a way to grow up. I I don't regret a moment of going back and forth. And uh, nowadays, everybody can do that via the Internet. We're all kind of on the same page. But uh, back then, it was like having uh, wizard skills when it comes to uh,
1: music and culture. So so, so you're a little bit like the Irish Fresh Prince.
2: (laughs) Okay, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get and love it. And I will say this, as it pertains to baseball, I used to, in the early 80s, especially in California, but pretty much all over the, uh, America, baseball card collecting became a real thing, kind of like uh, non-fungible tokens today in today's world or, 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 or cryptocurrency. Wow. And the cards demanded a bigger price tag here in Los Angeles or there in Los Angeles. I now live in Tulsa. But... I would go back every every summer and, and and get a bunch of stuff on the cheap because what was popular in L.A. might not be as popular in New York and vice versa. Right. So you could you could do all right uh, collecting baseball cards this way in the in the in the 80s. So yeah.
1: <laughs> now I, I'm, I'm looking at the hat. So I saw the I saw the hat and I wasn't sure if it was a fashion symbol or. So you are a fan of the Yankees?
2: Yeah, uh, the the most diehard fan uh, that you may have ever met. And the the funny thing about it is, growing up in Los Angeles I was a Pete Rose fan so wherever Pete Rose went there went my loyalty and even though I was a diehard Yankees fan I was a bigger fan of baseball and a, and a, and the biggest fan of Pete Rose himself even though he was a Cincinnati Red then a Phillies uh you know world champion right. and then uh would he go to the Expos and then he, I don't even know where he ended up in the in the end but uh yeah so but you, Yankees are my team man um the legacy, the the history. I'm actually, like I said, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is known. It's, it's it, you know, Mickey Mantle's birthplace. Manon. I'm about an hour away from it. I've been many times, taken many people to it. So Bobby Mercer, of course, is an Oklahoma City guy. Johnny Bench is also an, an Okie. There's a lot of Okie baseball players, which the history is rich here. And uh,
1: actually, actually, Stephanie, another one that I, is well, not a Yankee, but Jeremy Hefner, who's now the pitching coach for the Mets. No. Nice. Wow. So go. who's your so before so before we move on so uh,
2: all time favorite Yankee all time favorite Yankee that I never seen would have been Mickey Mantle. Uh all time favorite Yankee that I had the the pleasure to meet and watch would be Mariano Rivera and yeah. uh, close second by Reggie Jackson who I I had the the displeasure to meet and uh, definitely loved watching him hit three um, home runs when us. I was a kid. <laughs> It, depending on how you meet pete rose too that could go that could go sideways
1: yeah, well. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you when i had foley's i had a couple of opportunities where um people said you know you know you should do something with pete in fact pete has some irish in him too and they're like actually uh, and it's a california guy steve garvey for years has been like hey we got to get pete rose in the irish hall of fame you know and I had, a ch- I had an opportunity to do a couple of different uh things with him but never showed up you know yeah that's crazy uh, i mean listen
2: uh, again um I've heard nothing but personal. I, I have a personal. I will. I can't tell it, but I can tell you when, when we talk off camera. But Mickey Mantle was definitely no, 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 no joy to be around. And I've heard a few terrible stories. I had a documentary, basically, basic with people just going on and on about how disappointing he was to to meet because he was an alcoholic and he, he didn't have a filter and. Uh,
1: very angry for a long time, and um, well, you know, that, and you know said, "You know
2: what they say about meeting your
1: heroes or your idols, man." Yeah. I mean, so my father worked in a very famous restaurant in New York in the in the uh, '60s, and okay. called Touch Shores and that's where they all went. Oh, come on, of course,
2: everybody knows that restaurant. Um, I mean, but my father,
1: before yeah. first one, to tell you, Mickey Mantle couldn't couldn't drink. He he just he, he has his reputation of being a big drinker. He just wasn't he couldn't handle alcohol. Yeah. The guys uh, who could bring for Billy Martin and Whitey Ford, but you know, I mean, uh, oh, yeah, listen, I, listen, you're right. Billy
2: Martin got in trouble for it all anyway. They blamed everything
1: when those I, when Billy was out. just that's one of those guys that he, he, had the, he had the reputation of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, that's, yeah. so, and you, so that reminds me, before you go further,
2: I, I have to say it that Thurman Munson, also as a kid, I remember watching him. And then after knowing what I know about him, I would have loved to not only meet him, but I definitely have a Thurman Munson jersey that I wear to most games if I go to games. And most proud of that guy. He just seems like a, you know, a meat and potatoes. Yeah. Uh, what you see is what you get kind of player. So, I he exactly, I kind of You know, I,
1: I don't know how some of those players would have been able to survive today with social media and stuff like that because Munson yeah. just wanted to play baseball. He didn't care for any of the other stuff that came with the, with the game, you
0: yeah, know. But, but, but let's, let's get back to Danny
1: Boy for a second. So, huh? You're at William Howard Taft High School, California. Mm -hmm. You meet the guys, and basically, you know, kind of along the same lines as you two, House of Pain comes about.
2: Right. Um, So just to back that up a little, so I went to Taft High School, which was this very... Upper crust public school. It's right. It sits right below Ventura Boulevard. Anything south of Ventura is like big money. If you make big money in Hollywood, the dream is, or the, the the deal is, you end up going to the San Fernando Valley, get a four or five bedroom house, a pool, everything that suburban life could offer you back then. In particular, so Taft High School was a was a beautiful high school, and we had a lot of people that were transplants uh, and from all over the world that they would send their kids there. So Ice Cube got busted into that school. There was another dude named. Um, DRock D, who had a single out or drew a couple singles out in hip hop. Um, some of the New Edition guys' cousins went there. Or Stevie Wonder's cousins went there. They were called the Throwdown Twins. They had a group. Brett Mazur, another guy. DJ Epic from uh, Crazy Town, but he was also a producer. Produced Bell Biv DeVoe albums and stuff like that. So we had Divine Styler with uh, summer school there. So we had a, it was a melting pot of all kinds of people coming from all over. And if you came to LA, you would end up in the San Fernando Valley. So that school early on had just this weird hip hop vibe to it in the most Jeff Spicoli, Fast Times at Ridgemont High type of high school you could imagine. So I don't know how that happened is definitely a phenomenon at that time. It's not there anymore like that. But uh, so it was very, we we, doing hip hop back in the day as white kids, there was a handful of us, but we all kind of were in that same area, if that makes sense. So lucky to be in that era. And uh, we definitely parlayed it into a career.
1: Here's here's a question. You're synonymous, obviously, for for jumper. I've heard that. Do, do you cringe? Do you? I mean, uh, it, it,
2: no. It is. Uh, it's a it, it, at times perhaps it, the the cringe comes from when you're at an event and you're not trying to you're trying to just be involved in the event or you're you're you know it's I like to I like escapism too. This is what sports provides. It's like a, a couple hours of like turning off the outside world and focusing on something that'll just you know take your mind away and then the song comes on. And depending on mood or, or whatever, it, then it, it brings me back to old resentments or the glory days or whatever, whatever. So it kind of snaps you back to reality. So depending on where I'm at mentally when it comes on, uh, you know, depends on where I go with it. But I don't want to ever, I don't want every, anybody to ever think that being part of that song and being synonymous with it, even though I didn't write that song, Everlast gets all the credit for that and Mugs for the, the production uh it's a blessing man and and i never want anybody to think of it i'm ungrateful for that because it definitely is it's the thing that it's just you know yeah they think of that when they think of us and so it took you
1: around. i mean it took you around the world
2: oh it changed my life it changed all of our lives And i mean you know and a, and a big part of that too is you know everlast was signed to Ice T, and he made, made a great record and i was probably the first fan of that record but i saw a lot of holes in that the game plan because I didn't understand who that market that record was pitched at because definitely as a white boy it wasn't really I didn't feel like he was speaking for me and so when that deal fell apart for him and then me and him reconnected and we started you know going back and forth I started to think like look on the landscape I don't see us I see the Beastie Boys I see third base at the time they were apples to oranges to us you know and and I was like you know we're 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 Irish. We're you we're the you know that punch you in your face type of dudes. We we brought a different aggression to hip hop. And I said earlier that I was a fan of suicidal tendencies, and in more ways than one. But suicidal tendencies, when they played, they had a gang that followed them, and that gang was suicidals. And we had a gang before we had a band, if that makes sense. And we were a a two-tone bunch of misfits mostly Irish, but a few black dudes, a few Mexican dudes, a few, we were, we were, and we were at all the spots. And believe me, when I tell you we were known before we were known for making records, we were known for getting in a lot of trouble that way. And so we just did it the opposite of suicidal tendencies. They had a band and then the band had a gang following of friends. We had a gang and we turned it into a group
1: and went that route, so. If I could say it to you, is if there was there one thing or one person that you got to meet because of House of Pain, is there one experience where you can say? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. So maybe the first couple of months, uh, maybe the first month that the record was out, we I got a fax, and the, my, my my manager got a fax, and they called me and said Mickey Rourke just faxed you. I was like, why, who, what, huh? Mickey Rourke, the actor? They're like, yeah. And in fact, something like, you know, congratulations on your success, love and respect, Mickey. So I went down and seen him at the boxing gym. He had outlaw boxing at the time. And uh, I walked in. I met Freddie Roach, uh, another fantastic uh, Irish boxing legend. Yeah. And... um, Freddie was living at the gym basically at the time, and uh, I met Mickey, and I think the first thing he wanted to do was spar with me, and I, I'm nice with my hands, you know, I, I get down for mine, but he was a better boxer for sure. There's a big difference, for, for those who don't know, I'm sure a lot of people do know, fighting and boxing, completely two different things. He bought, I, I don't wanna say he boxed my ears off, but he got, he cracked me a few good ones, and I knew it was real. We went three rounds, and and we became fast friends, and that's definitely uh, the, the first major is a star It's not even a celebrity mickey was mickey was on a whole other level even in the early 90s as he was like you know he was coming back down to earth uh definitely a life-changing uh experience for me and uh definitely a, a, another uh one of those dudes that qualifies in, in the mickey mantle thing you know long term there's part of me that wishes i never met him but i would never change a thing in my life he didn't do anything wrong but it right. was just a when those kind of dudes come into your life, it's so impactful. So when they walk out of your life as a friend, you kind of there's a gap that never gets filled. And 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 you know, but definitely Mickey Rourke would be the the first one that comes to mind. And I uh, love I, I got nothing but love and respect for Mickey man. And and whether he knows it or not, I'm always in out here rooting for his his success, his happiness, and 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 any other thing. It just it fell apart after about four years of of, of friendship and you know when i see him it's it's like seeing a stranger uh i've ran into him a few different times as of late maybe a couple of years ago and we just hey mick how you doing
1: okay cool see you later and it's just so weird because we were so tight for so right. long but uh so i have to tell you my house of pain story obviously i i'm kind of more of a country guy but i was a bartender in new york <laughs> an irish country guy huh oh yeah well hey you gotta understand the irish invented country music you know you go back far enough the fiddle and the banjo and all that stuff that came from ireland you know right. but uh so i was a bartender in the bar you know busy bar in manhattan and you know when we closed the doors we, we wouldn't go to four we went to two so when we close the doors on a busy night you know as we're cleaning up and counting the cash and counting the tips you know the, the jukebox would just keep going and going and going because people have been putting money in it all night and we used to right. play uh, jukebox bingo and basically i mean we were making crazy money so we might put 50 bucks or 100 bucks each Into the kitty, and everyone got to pick three songs. And once your three songs are played, you won. My first go to every time was jump around because it and losing my religion (laughs) were ones that you could count on. You were going to, you have no idea how many times a night I heard that song. There you, you know, go. So, so, <laughs> I was I was making money I was making money off I, and then I felt everybody
2: song, got everybody got paid off of Jump Around. How can how you well, not love
1: it? I mean, well, it I, it I, affect- I felt guilty then I said, you know what? I said I have made a lot of money off these uh these House of Pain boys and they are Irish. So I, I, I want I, I did go out and somewhere I have the C D uh, I think yeah, the only yeah. track I may have listened to was Jump Around, but I listened to it's it over and over and over again. So nice. you know I have to ask you, so growing up, what Irish music did you listen to?
2: Very little. I didn't know anything about being Irish except for that my father was Irish, my mother is half Irish, my father is right off the boat. He was actually, he was born in New York, but his parents were right off the boat. They're from the Rebel County, uh, and 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 they had a dog, an Irish setter named carry So they're both from they're from Kerry and Cork. Uh, I think. My father's parents lasted around 20 something years in New York and then they went back to Ireland, but my father was very Irish and very proud of that fact Uh, I I really didn't get to meet my father too many times because of his. Being a drunk and, and going back and forth to prison and I really didn't get into discovering my my heritage until hip hop kind of in a way turned on me and, and i'll explain so being early into hip-hop you had to take a lot of flack and it's not like today's world where i see kids in the mall with faux hawks and and ramon shirts at the age of three or, or you know wu-tang shirts on on five-year-olds it just was like if you were a white kid and you were in suburbia and you were listening to hip-hop you can understand that that that's going to come with some kind of you know uh, connotation problem even parents didn't want me around their kids because they thought I was no good just based on how I dressed, talked, and the music I listened to and so to come, you know, a good five years or more into you know in it, it, from the early days of hip hop into like the 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 mid to late 80s and all of a sudden. A lot of the groups are starting to talk about the stuff that Farrakhan's talking about basically calling white people the devil and this five percenter religion starts to creep in and all of my favorite mcs big daddy kane and 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 public enemy and and you know a handful of others are adopting that or pitching that i'm starting to feel like wow where do i fit in what like what did i do you know and i look i felt like i had a target on my back all of a sudden just by being white and in hip-hop and so when i went home to ask my mother about our family history she's like dummy your parents your grandparents came here 50 years ago we never had like any we're not we had nothing to do with slavery or 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 we're not racist or we're not that's 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 not us so i was like good because i you know i didn't know who cared when i'm a kid who i didn't care about my any of that kind of stuff i wasn't a racist so i didn't see life through a racist lens so i didn't think any of those things applied to me and i thought anybody that i'd come into contact would clearly understand that i'm not that but when i started to hear farrakhan speak and and knowing that I was being looked at as the devil, I was like, whoa, whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. So I started to get into my heritage as like a kind of thing to tell people, look, bro, this is who we are. you know what I mean? We left Ireland because of oppression because of, you know the situations, the troubles in Ireland in the 70s. And so that became my new like thing. And when I met Everlast, he realized that he had some Irish you know uh, uh, family members and he he identified with that. and so that was kind of the thing we did to separate ourselves from like the Beastie Boys or Third Grade saying look we're not apologetic about being white and definitely we're definitely celebrating our irish heritage which is to have a drink punch you in your face and but i think the beauty of being irish is that we have the ability to make fun of ourselves and not take ourselves that seriously and 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 that's the part as i get older that i love because it it for me i love being irish for for that and, and, and that alone is that you know what i'm jovial but I feel like the Irish thing—it's—it's many-fold for me. But there's nothing I don't like. I, I love Irish poets. I love Irish literature, history, the, even the struggle, and 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 the way that we process things are different in my eyes than than other people do. And so I'll always be proud to be Irish. It's a part of my father's family that I never really knew, but a connection to that. And uh, yeah, I just you know it's i'm the, the listen in house of pain and, and i don't think i've ever said this before i'm the irish guy in house of pain you know our dj was latvian a, a jewish latvian dude uh with a heart of gold everlast has whatever percentage of irish in him but he's not the it's i'm the irish guy in house of pain and it was my design it was my logo it's my band name it's my imagery it, i'm the brand guy and so for me celebrating who i was rather than hiding it was a, was a definitely necessary thing to do at that time in hip hop. And it, you know what, it, it, it brought millions of kids out of the closet, if you will, that were hiding behind it because they didn't feel accepted if they were all in into hip hop because of right. the problems it might cause you in the community at the time. And all of a sudden now you've got a few bands to, to, to look up to, uh, but in particular, you got one that's repping, you know, and, and going hard around, you know, in in an alpha male sport, so us in Cypress Hill kind of had that that 90s thing unlocked early on. You got an Irish group and a, and a Cuban Latino group going full force, you know, w- with that, and, and it disrupted hip hop in the best possible ways, and it opened a lot of doors for a lot of other people to. to it was an invitation in to what seemed like a you know a very closed culture if you will
0: that was sean clancy from the show the crack in the bat on irish baseball tv and his conversation with danny boy o'connor of house of pain see the entire show by heading to irishbaseball.org i'm rick becker and this has been episode 50 of the irish baseball podcast have a happy holiday season and a fantastic new year Thanks for listening to the Irish Baseball Podcast. The Irish Baseball Podcast is a production of the Irish American Baseball Society. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org and connect with us on social media. And remember, there's no place like home.